0: This morning's scripture comes from Acts chapter 20. This is a continuation of the passage that Pastor Piper spoke on last week. The context, the Apostle Paul is on his way back from his last missionary journey and is now stopping to speak with the elders from Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 25. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, bound in the Spirit, Not knowing what shall befall me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold. I know that all you among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom will see my face no more.
1: The first thing he had said in this message was to direct their attention backward to his life for the three years that he was there. You remember, if you were here last week. And he just listed off the way he had ministered and the goal, according to verse 35, was to... Demonstrate or to show to them how they as, as elders should go on with the ministry when he's long gone and off the scene and how we ought to go on with the ministry today. So verses 18 to 21 were a backward glance at the ministry, right? Now what's the, the difference then as he, as he picks up in verse 22? The focus you can all see, can't you, shifts in time to the future, right? And now he's not talking anymore about the way he was, but but, but but about his planning and about his devotion to his ministry and to Christ in the future. So really we have a similar kind of lesson today, only it's future-oriented rather than past. He's not going to talk about how he ministered, but how he is devoted to ministry and will be till he dies, no matter what. He's talking about the future. And so the lesson still comes through for us, for elders, for people who want to imitate Those who follow most closely in Paul's path, it has to do with your future and mine, as well as Paul's. I find these verses, as one of the elders here at Bethlehem, to be tremendously inspiring. When I read a verse about a man who from the bottom of his heart says, I don't count my life of any value or as precious to myself, if only I can do what God called me to do makes chills when I'm down the spine of my obedience. It makes me just want to be utterly un-American. Just leave everything and do something radical for Jesus. That's the way I feel when I read text like verse 24. The people were asking me on Friday and Saturday, how's the sermon coming? I'd say, oh, that verse 24. Wow. Man, I hope the people get a hold of that verse. And it does for them what it does for me. It makes them out of step with their secular age, abandoned to the cause of Christ, utterly un-American in many of the ways that they live. Now, I've tried to come up with one phrase to sum up the point of this text. It's the title of the message written there in your folder. Faithfulness is better than life. Faithfulness is better than life. Now, let me read verse 24 once more with you, and you see whether you would agree if that's a good summary of this verse and this text. Paul says, reading from the Revised Standard, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may accomplish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Which I take to mean, faithfulness to my call is more important than whether I live. Or whether I live comfortably. So I have two questions now. I'm going to take that faithfulness is better than life as the theme and the title of the message and the expression of the content of these verses. And I'm going to ask two questions about that sentence. Faithfulness is better than life. First question, what does that mean in our lives? And I'll give four answers that I see in the text. Second question, why? On what basis can Paul say that faithfulness is better than life? And I'm going to give two answers to that question that I see in the text. All right? Question number one. What does it mean that faithfulness is better than life? Answer number one. A person who says and means, to me, faithfulness is better than life, is a person who is bound to the will of God by the Spirit of God. A person who is, and by bound I mean chained, roped, tied up, bound to the will of God by the Spirit of God. I get it from verse 22. Let's read the first words there. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem bound in or by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, bound in the spirit? Because some of your versions are different here. I know you can't tell from the original Greek whether the spirit has capital S or little s. They didn't do that in Greek. All right? So the RSV and the NIV have capital S, bound by God's spirit. And the uh, New American Standard Bible has little s, bound in my spirit. I think the NIV and the RSV are right. But I'm not going to tell you why, because it would take too long. And if you want to read my reasons, you can get the sermon notes out of the file cabinet next week. But I'll tell you this. I don't think it matters too much if you ask this question. Suppose it means bound in my spirit, constrained in my spirit. You'd have to ask the question, wouldn't you? By whom? By what? What's binding me? What are the ropes around me? What's holding my spirit to the will of God to go to Jerusalem? And you'd probably answer, wouldn't you? God. God is binding my spirit to the will of God. So you've got the implication that God is doing the binding here, whether the S on the front of spirit is big or little. But if it's big, as I think it is, then it means very straightforwardly, I am constrained or hedged in, or wrapped up and bound to the will of God by God's Spirit. So it's not as though the Spirit of God is sort of a thing over here, and I kind of examine it, I hold my distance from it, I check it out, sometimes I pick it up, sometimes I lay it down. It's just the opposite. It's just, mm, I'm just bound to it. I'm tied up to the will of God by the Spirit of God. So the first meaning of being able to say, Faithfulness is better than life means that you also say, I am bound, tied, chained to the will of God by the Spirit of God. It is my bosom friend. That's meaning number one. Meaning number two is that if faithfulness is better than life, then you are content not to know in detail what tomorrow will bring you are content not to know in detail what tomorrow will bring. And I get that from the next verses in verse 22. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem bound in the Spirit, not knowing what shall befall me there. Not knowing what shall befall me there. If faithfulness is more important to you than life, you can live without Thorough knowledge of tomorrow. This is very freeing. At least I want you to hear it as very freeing. It is to me. What I mean is this. It's freeing to to know this. All of us have pessimists inside of us. Some have overcome him one way or another. And others he has full reign. This pessimist. And so we all from time to time can think of a half a dozen or a dozen things that could happen tomorrow. That will make me thoroughly miserable. I mean, there's some of real serious. You might, you might say, well, there's no way I can be sure that I can keep my spouse from leaving tomorrow. There's no way I can be sure that I can keep my son out of trouble tomorrow. There's no way I can be sure I can make this sale or keep my business afloat or keep my job tomorrow. There's no way I can be sure that my health isn't going to break tomorrow. And the pessimist just Snowballs, and you start listing off all these things that you can't accomplish or be sure to keep from happening tomorrow. And this text implies very clearly what you're required tomorrow to do is not make anything happen. Just be faithful. Faithfulness is better than life. He doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He might get shot on the way out of Miletus. His boat might sink. There might be mutiny on the ship. He might get zipped when he gets to Caesarea. We don't know. He doesn't know. But the point is, instead of the pessimist saying, but I'm not sure I'm going to do this, I'm not sure I'm going to do that, I'm not sure. You just say, if I can just do what God has called me to do, be faithful, I'll be content. I don't need to know whether it's going to fall out. For me, leading a church like this, trying to, I list off all kinds of bad news. I think, oh, dear, what will these next two years mean? Can't grow or will people get discouraged? That would be one, one way to talk about the building program. Or I could talk about leadership needs or I could talk about staffing or I could talk about money or I could talk about plaster falling off on the outside and what a disgrace this building is in the community and the paint that's on the sign out there that ought to have been taken off ten months ago. You can make the list real long. But the point is, I'm not responsible to make things happen. I'm responsible to be faithful. If God makes things happen, I'll be happy. If God doesn't make things happen, I'll rest my conscience that I've been faithful. That's the way you ought to approach your life. It's a very freeing thing. America says you got to succeed or you're a loser. Lose, loser! You didn't make this amount or live in that kind of home... Get that length of vacation, loser! That's not the way God talks at all. God says, are you faithful to me? I just saw Donna out there. Donna Rasmussen gave me a little, a little piece of paper a few years ago. Billy Graham came to talk to some of the employees down at uh, Billy Graham Center and all the secretaries and the so-called little people in the Billy Graham Association and And it said that when he stood up there, he's he's sure that some of these servants there in the Billy Graham Association are going to stand in front of him in line to get their reward. And they all kind of clucked their tongues. And he said, look, if you don't know what I mean, you don't understand the way God assesses life. He doesn't assess in terms of notoriety. He doesn't assess in terms of success. He assesses in terms of faithfulness to your call. So the little people may be at the front of the line for the crown and the big upfront people may be way back because God reads the heart of faithfulness. The second meaning is that you can be content without knowing the details of tomorrow because faithfulness, not your accomplishments, count. Third, faithfulness is better than life means that you don't forsake Christ when faithfulness means affliction. You don't forsake Christ when faithfulness means affliction. Now, just keep reading. Verse 23 goes on and says, only that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. In other words, if faithfulness is better than life, you can live with ignorance about tomorrow and you can live knowing that tomorrow is going to mean trouble, pain in Jerusalem. And the, the phrase in this verse 23 that just clobbered me was the phrase, every city, because I would. You know, if if I were the Holy Spirit, I would say to Paul, one time, um, I'm sorry to tell you this, Paul, but, you know, bonds and uh, affliction are going to be your portion. I I won't rub this in, but just be ready. This text says that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that that's going to happen. The Holy Spirit, Paul gets down on his knees in every city and says, Oh, God, help me, strengthen me. And the Holy Spirit says, bonds and afflictions, Paul. Bonds and afflictions, they can await you. You know, we have the notion today, this is a corrective. I'm hitting on this because it's a corrective of the American form of the gospel. We believe that you should make things as easy and slick and comfortable for people as possible. Don't tell them any of the negatives up front. About following Jesus, alright? Don't do that! They might not believe if they know what it means to follow Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit had His apostle. He just kept telling Him city after city after city. It means bonds and afflictions. You might think, say, He's going to quit. You better stop that. He's going to cut out on this apostleship. But God evidently believes in truth. So the third thing that faithfulness is better than life means is you don't forsake Christ when you know that tomorrow is going to mean trouble. Finally, on this first question, the fourth meaning of faithfulness is better than life is this. It means you set your face like flint against the American dream see verse 22, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem. No matter what the cost, no matter how little safety I feel in this, no matter what might happen to me, I'm going to Jerusalem. But Paul, you're getting up there in years. How about a little cottage on the Aegean Sea? I mean, Paul, you've worked hard now for quite a few years and uh, you've accomplished more in your ministry than most people accomplish in five lifetimes. So why don't you just step back and take it easy in the last 15 or 20 years of your life? How about a little golf, a little travel around, a little putzing with your hobbies? Just take it easy, Paul. And for goodness sakes, don't go to Jerusalem. Or Rome. Or get that crazy idea out of your head at your age that you're going to go to Spain. It's not American to end your life this way. America has another name for how you should end your life. It's called retirement. I looked up retire in the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary last night. And here are the four definitions. One, to withdraw from action or danger. Two, to fall back. Three, to go to bed. Four, to march away from the enemy. The American dream. It doesn't have one tiny foothold of justification in Holy scripture. It is a foreign concept to the Bible. There is no such thing in the Bible as retirement. Now, I just can feel all kinds of resistance coming up. Your company tells you you've got to retire. You will tell me someday it's over. Get out of the way. Your sentences aren't hanging together anymore. Step aside. That's true. It's going to happen, right? Now, here's what I'm saying. When your company tells you at this prime age of 62, 3, 4, 5, you're done. You say back to your company, well, you may call it retirement. But I call it the changing of a station. I call it the assuming of a new post in the war effort. I call it following the king in a different direction. I'm going to Jerusalem and then you go. In other words, you don't have to let your employer decide whether you retire or not if God is the king and you are the soldier. And I commend both to old, middle, and young that you rethink the American dream. So four meanings now for Faithfulness is better than life. One, it means being bound to the will of God by the Spirit of God. It means not being discontent when you don't know the future. It means being firm and faithful and devoted to Christ when you know the future is going to hurt. And it means setting your face like flint against the American dream of convenience, comfort, leisure, step back. Puts, play, travel for 20 years. Wasted for Christ. Don't buy it! You won't lay your head down easy if you do. Last question. Why is faithfulness better than life? Why? Two answers. Number one. Faithfulness is better than life because faithfulness means finishing the race and the one who finishes the race gets the crown. Faithfulness means finishing the race and finishing the race means getting the crown. Now, I'll show you where I get this from the words in verse 24. In verse 24, it says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself If only I may accomplish my course. Now that word course is not a school course like geometry. It's a race course. You run on this course. And accomplish means finish it. Get to the tape. Don't give up for weariness or boredom or because the grass over here looks so Moist and long and cool. And you just take a detour off the the racetrack. So, finishing the race. Now, here's the catch. That phrase, finishing the race, is used only one other place in all the Bible. The word accomplish and the word course together in only one other place in the Bible. And some of you know where it is. What book is it in? 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7. Let me read it to you. You know that 2 Timothy is probably the last letter Paul wrote. He's now old. He is in prison in Rome. He expects to be executed. He was executed. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. There it is. I have kept the faith. Henceforth... There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Faithfulness is better than life because faithfulness means being able to say that when you come to the end and know that the crown is just a moment away. Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. He said, or Paul said in another place, This slight momentary affliction is working for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And Jesus said in another place, The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Many there be that enter thereby. And the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and few there be that find it. That's an awesome statement. Few there be that will walk through the narrow gate on the hard road that leads to eternal life. But faithfulness is better than life is true, because faithfulness means walking the hard road and it leads to life and therefore it's better so much better I went to the twins game on uh, Friday night watched them sock the Orioles sat in row 30 section 127 in front of three drunk teenagers and I could hardly I could hardly get into the game and say, yeah, this is a good, this is really good pastime. This relieves my tensions. I was just broken. I just sat there listening to those guys. You know how guys talk at ball games when they're drunk? Mm -hmm. 27 bucks they spent on beer behind me. Had to show their IDs, so they were right on the borderline. And they got drunker and drunker, and they started talking about drugs. And I just thought, as I looked out over these 30,000 people, my God, I want to be different, I thought. And I didn't mean, I want, to, I want to stay here inside this building. This is what I like. Here in our little different club. That's the last thing I mean. I mean, I want to make a difference. I mean, these guys were like animals by the time that game was over. They were just degenerating further and further and further into their sick talk. About who hey, you're supposed to be. No drugs, man. Do you have your three puffs a day. Remember, no more than three. Say no to drugs. Ah, ah, ah. I sat there. I had three of my sons here with me. Barnabas, he was sleeping through the seventh inning. On <laughs> Abraham, Carsten, they were hearing every word, and I was glad. I was really glad because that was the best advertisement for sobriety and being free from drugs you could ever make. But it just made me inside say, I I can't enjoy baseball in a world like this very easily. I really can't. I I just, I must be getting old or something. I I used to just think nothing but fun when I was a kid. Every time I go to something that's supposed to be fun now, I see people. I see sick, dying, lost, hurting people everywhere. And I say, well, what's my life for? To get a season's ticket? Wow! Woo! Season ticket to to the Dome. See, people, and all that matters is people. All that matters is getting them to heaven and getting them whole. It is true because beyond the grave there is great reward for those who walk the narrow way of faithfulness. The last answer to my question of why, why faithfulness is better than life, comes from asking this question. What's the basis of Paul's confidence? How can Paul stare us this morning in the face with all of our differences and say, it's true for you, it's true for you, you, you. Faithfulness is better than life. It's better than staying alive. It's better than having all the comforts of the American way. How can he say that? What? What is the basis of his confidence that the payoff is going to be reward unspeakable and full of glory. The answer is given in a phrase in verse 24 and a phrase in verse 25. The phrase in verse 24 at the end is this, the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul was saying that he wants to be faithful to, to the ministry that God has given him, that Lord Jesus has given him, namely to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then the second phrase that provides foundation is found in verse 25 near the end where it says, well, let's read the whole verse. Now behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone about, here it is, preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. So what's Paul doing here? In these two phrases, he is summing up the very content and I would say foundation or basis of his life and hope and ministry and is giving us the foundation for why we can say faithfulness is better than life. And I think you can see this if you just take two words out of those two phrases. The first word is the word grace. Take it out of the phrase, uh, testifying to the grace, to the gospel of the grace of God. So God is a God of grace and then take, take out the word kingdom from verse 25, and say, God is a king and his reign is coming, and I'm preaching those two things. And then put them together and ask yourself, how do these two words provide the foundation for my confidence that a life devoted to faithfulness is better than a life of anything else? And the answer is this. If God is a God of... Let's start over here. If God is a king, then he has power and he can give me rewards if he wants to and if he's a god of grace he wants to that's what grace means he wants to he wants to reward the faithful he can do it he wants to do it when a can do and a will do come together you got power an omnipotent god says i can and I will reward the faithful. And there's the foundation for everybody in this room this morning who will believe and bank your hope on those two things. Let's pray together. I, I want to take a minute or two in silence and song here at the end of the service to give you a chance to process some of this. I'm, I'm sure that the needs are so different in this room right now and that You're all hearing this in a different way and applying it to different parts of your own life of struggle and aspiration. Let me say a word to those of you who may not have trusted Christ yet. Haven't trusted the gospel of the grace of God, that His grace in Jesus Christ forgives all sins. And having subdued and submitted yourself to the kingdom, the reign of God as Lord, this is a good time to do it. Now is the day of salvation. Hold now is the acceptable hour. And I would just ask you there in your pew, that in your heart between you and God who hears every will, that you give yourself to Him. The rest of you are on different places in your journey and you all know the degree to which you've been infected by the American dream that really faithfulness to Christ in all of its radical dimensions is not what you've been pursuing but many other things. So you need to deal with God about that. What I'd like to do is sing... You don't need your books, but just sing the chorus where he leads me, I will follow. Just to fix the words in our minds, pause for a moment and then sing it one last time.
0: So let's get the words fixed as we sing together.